0: Guess what, Michael? What's up, Dan? We're sponsored. We're sponsored? Damn right we are. This week's episode is sponsored by Midwest Action. Midwest Action is a Chicago based record label and blog owned by Alyssa Welch and Dan Jarvis. Their current release is American Queers by Supernova, and coming out on the 25th of August is a self titled EP by Chicago band Happy Face. All of this in Midwest Action's back catalog can be found on Bandcamp at Midwest Action, spelled Midwest A-X-N, and on their website, MidwestAXN.com. Midwest Action, listen local. What's up everybody? I'm Daniel Fiorio.
1: And I'm Michael Lane.
0: And welcome to episode 5 of Infinite Canvas Ultra. This week we're going to be talking about the new Netflix specials of Invader Zim and Rocco's Modern Life.
1: And we will also be doing a deep dive and long form review of It Chapter 2, one of the hottest releases of the entire year. Stick with us. I think it'll be a good one.
0: Gonna be a very good one. We're floating down here this week, baby. Yeah, we are. Stay tuned. So what's up, Michael? How you been? I've been good, Dan. How are you? doing great. You know who isn't doing too good?
1: Let me guess. Is it Spider-Man? It's Spider-Man. Poor Spider-Man. Poor Spidey. Poor Tom Holland. Poor really. Tom
0: Holland. I mean, I feel like Tom Holland is probably going to be fine.
1: Yeah, well, okay, well, let's let's lay the groundwork here. Yeah. People don't know what we're talking about.
0: At the time that we're recording this, this is the 22nd of August, and uh, this news is very, very fresh, and, uh, you know, honestly, I'm hoping by the time that this gets released, it'll be resolved, and the <laughs> yeah. status quo will be back to normal, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a very confusing situation right now, and Michael, if you want to... Let the folks yeah. know we've been living under a rock as to what's happening, what news broke this week.
1: Yeah, so just a couple of days ago, uh, Disney and Sony have come to a non-agreement on what's going to happen with Spider-Man in the future uh, in terms of the MCU. So Character... basically, well, just basically whatever, I, you know, the, the, de- the specific details aren't really necessarily out there, but uh, Marvel and, and Sony haven't come to a deal on if if man can be in the marvel cinematic universe anymore and i you know it's weird it's crazy
0: it's it's a very petty decision from a company that you know honestly like um which one uh, sony sony yeah, I, I i absolutely think sony is kind of the bad guy in this situation um, um and that's just kind of coming from like a lot of knowledge about just the way Sony has conducted themselves with the Spider-Man franchise in years before. And, uh, I mean, basically if mo- one more comes out about this situation, I will not be surprised to hear if folks like Avi Arred, who is like somebody who was a huge producer on the Sam Raimi films mm-hmm. and most notably the atrocious, amazing Spider-Man franchise, and as well as he's, like, the lead uh, producer on the Venom films that are coming out right now. And, yeah, are a thing. They're a thing that exists. Um, I I just really feel like this whole situation is Sony being very greedy. They obviously are have dollar signs in their eyes due to the fact that Spider-Man Far From Home made a billion dollars and are really not giving a single shit about, like, what fans care about. So, I, I think it's a very greedy, very selfish move on their part, and I'm really not happy about
1: it. I feel like I understand where you're coming from, and I have a totally opposite opinion on this. That's great. I I want to hear it. And it's funny, we were talking about it the other day, about the five out of, like, Disney has five out of the six top grossing movies of this year, and we were looking through the list, and it was, you know, Spider-Man, and, and the top six grossing movies of this year were Lion King, Spider-Man, Aladdin... Toy Story, you know, all the all the Disney ones. And the thing that I didn't realize is that we couldn't figure out what the, the one that they didn't have was, and it is Spider-Man's. Like, that is technically a Sony production. Yeah. Sony puts... And from what I've read, and I actually have brought up a tweet here, where I... This is why I feel like Sony isn't so much the bad guy here, because from what I can tell... Sony are the ones who put all the money into the the solo Spider-Man films. Okay, uh, they put which all, is true, yeah. and they don't make any money. Sony doesn't make any money even with Spider-Man in the Marvel Sin like the, the bigger Marvel movies that include Spider-Man. So That's they don't make too. any money on Avengers. They didn't make any money on Civil War, um, and if Spider-Man were to be in you know following movies, then he, they wouldn't be making you know any money there either. And so for me, I feel like, you know, (laughs) and it's also, it might also come down to, you know, just fuck Disney. And that is such a monopoly on the, you know, cinematic landscape. And yeah, I just, I feel like as much as it sucks, um, if this does happen, you know, if this does come to fruition and Spider-Man can't be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe anymore, Mm -hmm. at the same time, I feel like it's not all on Sony. And I think a lot of people are you know there's like the hashtag boycott sony right now and sure. people are really mad about it
0: allegedly their stocks have plummeted actually really? within the last few days wow. of the announcement of this news like
1: just like sony in general yeah wow that's wild <laughs> um i don't i don't think it i don't think it's all on sony well here's, disney i'm sure was probably really greedy in there in the contract
0: they wanted to offer a 50 50 split is that for what these it was? Movies. yeah And Sony said, no, we want the entire pie. And, I mean, I I will say this, like, yes, it is very overwhelming that um, having Disney have, like, such a monopoly on literally all of entertainment. Let's be real. All of entertainment (laughs) is is like basically connected almost connected if you watch to disney your news you're
1: probably watching Disney. You're probably with watching ABC. disney. if you're watching there's, sports you're probably watching it with espn which is owned by disney
0: exactly there's this podcast that i love um called the weekly planet or these two dudes based out of australia and they always joke about kind of like the upcoming you know what the future of streaming services is going to be and uh they always make this joke that in the future we're going to have either do you want to stay in for a Netflix or go out for a Disney? (laughs) And I absolutely love that and think that it's so true. And it is very scary. But given the circumstances of the situation, I think this is a situation where there is like a right amount of anger to be kind of directed at it. And I'm coming purely from like a, a comic book fan perspective on this, just that I think that it's going to deeply detriment this particular franchise. Like, yes, I obviously agree that like, It is concerning to have, you know, so much of the media landscape dominated by Disney. But the thing that's going on with Marvel and Disney's partnership, I think, is something that has obviously very clearly worked. And frankly, just like as a comic fan, like, I'm super happy to see this, like, the medium thriving and benefiting in the way. I mean, granted, no, it's not necessarily getting people into comic book shops, which is a huge disappointment in my opinion. but. The fact that it's, like, so prevalent in the cultural landscape after being around for, like, 80 years or so is, mm-hmm. like, a really beautiful thing. And I think this just, like, throws a huge wrench into that because, let's be real, Spider-Man is probably the most, arguably, next to, like, D- Batman from DC. Like, the most important character of
1: the super- comic like books the superhero genre. Oh, well, maybe Superman, but yeah (laughs) spider-man is definitely i would say for marvel is probably their their shining star exactly and i just like i
0: find it disappointing in that light because it's just like we've been given so much good material with this partnership especially in the aspect of the storyline of spider-man that it's just so what are we going to get now this watered down less than adequate product that is I mean, maybe this could pave the way and like, there are certainly exceptions. I mean, like you look at a movie like into the spider verse and to me, I think like, wow, maybe that would be good if Sony just like, you know, took complete control over this character because that is like such a amazing film and like maybe they could do something that is like so indebted and shows a lot of love to this Mm -hmm. character and this property without Disney's help. But then I look at a, a project like Venom and these upcoming other, yeah. like, non-Spider-Man related Spider-Man movies that they're trying to do, which at this point now, like, I mean, maybe they will have them in there to a good or bad degree. Mm-hmm. And that just makes me question everything. This is like, we had such a nice thing with this, having this, like, literal live action version of of marvel comic books and now it's fucked up because of it and i really don't like
1: that yeah i i don't know i understand i like i said i understand sony's move on this part you know maybe this is just a a stage you know like we said we're recording this just a few days after the the news and maybe by the time you listen to this it'll everything will have settled but Mm-hmm. As of right now, I feel that Sony wants their money, and I honestly think that they deserve their money. Yeah, um, especially since they're the ones who are putting all the money into producing these solo Spider-Man films. And um, you know, if they were to you know fully produce it and then only take fifty percent of the cut, you know, how much is that actually gonna help them? You know, is that That's actually true. is that actually gonna be enough to recoup for them? if they have to give 50% away. And, you know, in this tweet that I was uh mentioned before, they uh whoever wrote it, they noted that even though this last one far from home, you know, it passed a billion and everything and that's great. It's uh, it's only surpassed Sony's last highest grossing movie by 2 million dollars. And for them oh. to have to and I don't know what that movie is. Uh it doesn't say here, but for them to you know, have other movies that can make that much, and I'm sure the other Spider-Man films and Venom, you know, I'm sure they made a lot of money. Venom made
0: a killing. I don't know what the numbers are on that exactly, but that was a, a definite yeah surprise for Sony. And
1: for them to give all that away when they're producing it all, and you know, if they're putting 250 million dollars into production, and then you know, how much money into advertising are they going to recoup if they take 50? Yeah. So for me, it's. It's not all on Sony, and at this point, I'm sure, you know, they're still in talks to... I'm sure there's renegotiating happening right now, where yeah. at some point, Sony will probably say, okay, we'll give you, you know, some amount, but I don't I don't know if they'll ever come down to 50-50. Because at the same time, I think Sony can continue to make Spider-Man movies if they have the same people creating them, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, the last Spider-Man movie barely relied... Or didn't really rely on any of the other Marvel characters, and neither did the first one. That's true. And and they it's, were both great.
0: I would well, Homecoming definitely did. I mean, Homecoming was like, okay. Yes, that, Homecoming. That had, yeah. like, a lot. That's true. Of, it did have like the of Iron stuff, Man yeah. in it. Uh, this like far from home. I mean, with the exception of Nick Fury, pretty much. I mean, but also like it's kind of interesting also also to think just like how much of the supporting cast though kind of relies on the pre existing hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe with you know, characters like Happy Hogan and just the mm-hmm. whole premise of the fact that, you know, Spider-Man was Tony Stark's protege right. and blah 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 blah, like that those are such massive massive parts of the plot Yeah, it's it... like, how are they going to continue this? It would be Cause... hard
1: to write it out.
0: Exactly, which is another thing that it, like, I kind of want to bring up on you know, the topic of this is like, where do you see this going? Like, where do, what do you think that they could do if... <laughs> if th- these films exactly continue because allegedly uh the director john watts and tom hollander signed on for i keep hearing varying things i keep hearing like one more film some cases instances i've heard two more films and i think that's heard two. i find it that's highly one. doubtful that tom holland wouldn't want to you know re-up his contract with playing the character mm-hmm. more and I'm sure Sony wants that, too, because he is, without a doubt, the most popular Spider-Man that oh, ever yeah. exists. Like, what do you think could happen from here?
1: Uh, we we talked about it the other day, and I, I think this is your idea. You brought it up. But I think that it would make most sense if they are going to continue this, that they do a multiverse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Completely just get that character out of that universe that he's in. Especially with the end of Far From Home and where it where it leaves off, exactly. I think that makes sense. But yeah, I don't. It's 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 hard it's to crazy. say. It's crazy. It, it's really it's it, it's wild. I
0: I've like never thought that it's like just interesting to even discuss this. So like, kind of wrap your head around it. It's just yeah. like what, like what happens from here? It's it's really it's a really weird situation, and I do think that that could be the route that they go. Is just that. There's a situation, I'm not going to get into the spoilers for this if you haven't seen Far From Home. I'm just going to say Peter Parker, Spider Man, winds up in a situation where, and I think this may have been done intentionally, I I think it was maybe written in the way that, like, shit, there's a chance Sony is not going to, you know, re up their contract with us, like, where there would be this out where maybe Peter Parker, Spider Man of this universe would. Basically have to wind up in another universe. Yeah. Which to be honest, like seeing Tom Holland in this role and like all the supporting cast in, in an environment that is MCU free actually sounds kind of exciting to me. <laughs> yeah. Like I will say that's like a definite plus because mm-hmm. if I have like one criticism of the most recent output of Spider-Man films, is that it does feel pretty bogged down by the MCU. Yeah. But it's more so like like I'm happy that like like for me like it's like a thing where it's like I'm ha- I'm still okay with it cuz I do love seeing all these characters interact and it just feels like a natural live action adaptation of comic books which as a lifelong fan of comics like it's thrilling to see that I absolutely love it but I I would say that if we do get something like that where it's just kind of a it clearly just stands on its own mm-hmm. type you know with all these actors in play playing these characters I would be pretty okay with that.
1: Yeah. But I would totally I would totally go see it, you know, and as long as it's all the same, you know, uh cast and crew and everything.
0: Exactly. I'm totally down. But it's just the biggest like glaring thing in that is just is it going to be good? <laughs> yeah. That's true. I hope so. I hope like with, you know, something like into the Spider-Verse, like and how that seems to be a project that you know sony was at the, hel- the helm of and really allowed a lot of creative freedom on it maybe this could be more good than bad maybe me being negative about it will i'm, I'm hoping for this i'm hoping it'll prove <laughs> to like be for the better yeah and we'll end up being in some like really great stories told with these characters and these actors but do you think do you
1: think that sony will come to a an agreement with disney do you think that they'll you know, by the even if it's by the time or not by the time that this recording comes out, do you think that they'll strike strike a deal at some point? I'm gonna say no. No.
0: I I I honestly think they're. <laughs> I think somebody's gonna maybe stick their guns on this. I actually.
1: I I, I mean they were
0: ballsy enough to do this in the first mm-hmm. place, which actually and another thing that I found out is that they have like a new CEO at the home who is okay. the the one that was. Very adamant about not signing this agreement and just being like we can handle this on our own. So actually, I I don't think wow. they will. Interesting. Just as a prediction, I think they, I think Sony, especially with this new head that they have, I think they have a lot of confidence in being able to pull this off.
1: I wonder. I uh, I that makes sense to me, but at the same time, I wonder if Disney would be willing to. You know, give them a good deal, or give them the same deal that they had before, right. just because they have every other character now. This right. will be the only character they don't have now. And that's Spider-Man. a glaring
0: omission. Yeah, that's like the, that is that,
1: like we said. That's the big. That's the face of Marvel.
0: Exactly, more
1: or less. You know, and if you get rid of him, they just got X Men back. They just got Fantastic Four. Big parts of Marvel, and they're gonna lose Spider Man again. I don't think it happens. I think Disney will compromise, and I think Sony will take it. Because they know that they 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 will make more money if it's in an MCU. That's true. And who knows how long this goes on for. That's true. Like, who knows how long the MCU has its grasp on the entire movie-going audience. And I think Sony will want that money for as long as they can get it.
0: I do think also this is kind of a nail in the coffin for the MCU if they don't, <laughs> like legitimately. Yeah. I I really think that this could be a mark of, like, everybody kind of, like has been talking about, like, in the film industry, like, how long does this have left, and, like, how long can you get interest in it? I think
1: this could be a sign of, like, end times for the MCU. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. And then, I for me, I wonder, like, what happens with movies in general if the MCU dies out and people aren't going to see... Him? Like, because that's the, you know, the only reason why movie theaters are still in business because the Marvel movies make a billion dollars every year, you know? Right. It's crazy. People don't go to see movies anymore.
0: It's so sad.
1: And um, the only thing they go out to see basically are Disney movies. (laughs) And that's scary.
0: It really is.
1: Except for, I guess, the one that we're talking about later tonight, which will be It Chapter 2. I'm sure that'll be a big hit, but...
0: I'm sure it will. We'll get there. We'll get there.
1: Do you want to go straight into our next segment or do you want to take a break?
0: um yeah no i think we've touched everything that we've had to about this and it's i'm glad you brought that up because yeah this whole instance that's another thing like it's a it's interesting in every level like Mm -hmm. one in the sense like you know of like trying to think about like you know where the mcu franchise can go from here if this does stay put but yeah you're completely right about that statement about you know majority of the movie going public only wanting to see these films and like you're right if this does go and like if this does end up like
1: doing the kind of the negative damages that i think it might it's it's interesting to think about that it's crazy so know, f- and they have two more coming up this year that'll make a billion dollars with frozen and star wars yeah and disney's just gonna make hand over fist billion dollar movies every two months
0: i know it's crazy there's a lot, it's, it's a layered subject. Yeah. Involving around one character being held for ransom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: a Spider Man. We hope the best. We do. best.
0: Yeah. If anything, yeah, still hopefully some some great films coming out in the future.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, we're going to take a short little break. We come back. We're going to talk about the new Invader Zim and Rocco's Modern Life specials that just hit Netflix this past weekend. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Infinite Canvas Ultra, episode 5. Before we get into our headlining slot of reviewing It Chapter 2, we're going to talk about two, two little small films that came out uh, about a week or so ago. And I want to begin this with a little aside before we start talking about that. This past Saturday from when we recorded this... I woke up and had a thought that I don't think I've had since I was like six years old. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. I woke up. I didn't have work that day. And I'm like, hmm, you know, I'm going to watch the new Invader Zim and Rocco's Modern Life. (laughs) And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus. And But you're, is... you're not six years old. But right? I'm not six you're years not old. Six I'm 24 old. now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just but making sure the somehow, timeline's correct. I know. Somehow it, it definitely felt like I was in a time machine. And then we're talking about Rocco's Modern Life, Static Cling. Um before we go into this review, I just want to say that I am grateful for the existence of both of these. Yeah. I think they're both wonderful. So I think the same. Yeah, let's uh let's get into as Michael was saying off the air, let's start off with Rocko's Modern Life Static Clang. This is the one that was released first, and you want to share your thoughts on it first?
1: Yeah, sure. So um <laughs> it's the continuation of Rocko's Modern Life twenty some years after it ended originally. And I believe that show had you know an actual you know series finale mm-hmm. uh it wasn't like cut off you know short or anything and here they are here's our friends, you know Rocco and heifer they're you know floating in the middle of space and which is a continuation of the the finale. I believe, and they come back to Earth 25 years later, and
0: You're floating in space, watching the same VHS tape <laughs> yeah. of uh... Fatheads. Fatheads Fat for 25
1: years, and they come back, and uh, everything's different. And it's basically the whole. It's a, it's a 45 minute uh, special. You know, they call it a movie, but uh, you know, I'd say it's more like a long episode. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a big satire on. You know today's marketplace with in terms of social media and entertainment and you know just ha- where we are today in in twenty nineteen and well you know we'll talk about the zim one later but i i don't I don't think that the Rocco's one was uh nearly as fulfilling uh but I do think that you know for what it was it was a lot of fun sure um, but you know with the the short runtime and you know, I, I don't know, it just didn't, like, grab me as much as the Zim one, which we'll get to, but I thought it was, you know, for what it was, it was pretty good. And it was really I, funny.
0: I would say I feel way more positively about Static Cling hmm. than what you just brought up. I think, like, seriously, I was, like, very, very impressed with Static Cling. For the level, just on, like, a, a the way, a stylistic level, I absolutely love the fact that this still looks like a cartoon that was made in the 90s there is Mm -hmm. no polish there is no sheen to this (laughs) it literally looks like this could have aired in the mid 90s on Nickelodeon that's true and I absolutely adored that about it I loved just the goofy premise. I loved how literally everything was intact about this. Everything that I love about that original show. Because like a lot of Nickelodeon shows from that era, and something that I admire greatly about it, such as this, Ren and Stimpy, you could even say the early years of Spongebob, Mm -hmm. is that it packs a lot of comedy just into design. And just the way that these characters look, their mannerisms, expressions... And all of that is still intact in this. It's a completely goofy story that I 110% loved. It did not miss a beat with in terms of just, like, capturing the original energy and just, like, ethos of that show. Mm-hmm. And I loved seeing more modern elements um, interjected into it. And I think that it really benefited for it. And I think that, like... I'm going to say the same thing about Invader Zim. I think that if we don't get more, like a, like maybe a couple other specials done in this, I think that'd be a very big shame because like, I really love Are the talking of this project. Are you talking specifically
1: Rocco or like you want other, Nef- like Netflix to get other Nickelodeon I, properties?
0: I, I mean both. I, oh. think, I think that'd be really good. I mean, and I would be all for other Nickelodeon properties yeah. seeing the quality of this um gonna get a little bit of spoiler territory and also just one of the things that i found so endearing about this film and we'll we'll have timestamps. um this might get a little bit spoiler for the rest of it but i gotta say the reveal of also uh ralph bighead undergoing mm-hmm. a sex change and yeah. becoming rachel bighead and the way that that was the way that that was addressed in this I wish this could have been something that was made in the '90s. Yeah. In all honesty, it it takes on a topic. I wish this was something that like <laughs> children, because I mean, let's be real. I feel like a lot of children are not gonna have much of a wanting or interest yeah. in watching this. I think the way that it deals with that character, the way that. Rocco and his friends react to the character once they see her change, and it's just like, oh, cool. Yeah. Of course... They're, they're basically, they
1: basically basically just push it aside, like, oh, whatever, yeah,
0: that's cool. It's... It, it, that impressed me so yeah. much. I was just like... It was, it was so touching, and I just thought that was, like, again, like, just really... I, I think that it kind of exemplifies, like, not only, like, what made that show in the first place so good, but, like, is also just speaks a lot for like how good this special is Mm -hmm. and just like how well it was executed and like you know kind of going into the mr big heads like kind of like problem with seeing rachel's change i thought that was it was great it was just like it it was like it left an impact in the sense that like it uh it's so great like seeing something so simple take a premise like that take like you know and just run with it in the way that they did in such a respectful and good yeah. way. Like I, I really think this thing was amazing. If yeah. if you're a fan of Bracken's Myron Life, like obviously,
1: oh watch for it. sure, yeah. Like, there's, there's no reason not to watch it. Like it's not gonna like ruin your, you know, your childhood. You know, like all these people. Whenever anything gets rebooted, it's always like, oh, they're gonna ruin my favorite movie. Like. It's not gonna. It's not no. gonna have any effect on you in like any bad way. It's not gonna change your view on original Rocko's in Life. It's actually all the original creator. Absolutely. Um, you know the like like Dan said, the animation is spot on. It's not. It doesn't look like it's any you know any much more better than than what the original show looked like, and I also just you know y- you talked about like the plot and everything, but I also just love the. You know, Rocco's whole intention for this this episode is just to get his show back on air. Which the 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 meta (laughs)
0: meta commentary on that, it's like people who love Rocco's modern life, it's like basically we are Rocco in that situation. We (laughs) want to see another Rocco cartoon, just like he wants to see another (laughs) Fed. And then I
1: I love it. it, you know, just like what I just said. Rocco at the end he sees like the new product and he like doesn't like it because it's it's like different from what he wanted exactly and it's, like, so it is a really great commentary on all that you know that bullshit with you know how people hate reboots and you know it ruins my childhood you know all that all that shit but exactly yeah no i thought it was totally enjoyable but it, i don't know i it for me it just didn't have the same uh it just didn't grab me as much as the invaders m1 did sure um that's not I can per- to
0: add on. Perfect segue into that. Yeah. And then up, yeah, up next, yeah, Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus. Um, always, always was a huge fan of Invader Zim. I think that cartoon is way ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. It also is something that <laughs> honestly never should have been aired on a children's <laughs> television network, in my yeah. opinion, but it somehow did. Definitely a product of its era, because it's like, I could never see this being... I mean, this is like is just straight up an Adult Swim show. I feel it's, like it's very proto Adult Swim, Invader Zim as a whole. I'm yeah, not talking about the the new movie, right? But.
1: It, well, it's it's funny. Like, I don't know. I don't know that I would necessarily agree with that entirely because you know, I want you know, I see some things like even in the last like five years with like Adventure Time and regular show. Like, there's there they like I don't know about Nickelodeon, but like Cartoon Network definitely gets weird. That's true. Defin- Cartoon Network definitely gets weird sometimes, but yeah, no, I I. Uh, keep going with, with what you were saying about... Yeah,
0: so Invader Zim under the Florpus. Um, essentially the plot of this is Dib, Zim's rival, the only Earthling that recognizes that Zim is an mm-hmm. alien, has been viewing him. Also, I'm just kind of putting the parallels and plots. This also is about, you know, Zim not having been around yeah. <laughs> for years. I love this whole like meta thing of these char- like these cartoon characters just... Having been dormant for like 15, 20 or <laughs> Although, so years. I guess, I guess, and like, there's no gap in the time. Everything is just exactly the same. But
1: with Zim, I wasn't entirely certain if it was like supposed to be a 20 year. Right. Like, I'm sure it in, wasn't anything in, like that. Yeah. But
0: I'm just saying, in general, just like there's right. a lapse in time and like yeah, literally you everything definitely is
1: get that. the same.
0: That analogy for, you know, the show being off the air for as long as it has. Right. And now we're getting the direct continuation of it. Um, And Zim finally leaves his house for the first time after however long Dib has been watching him. Dib is now a slobby, out-of-shape mess who has just been confined to his chair. Literally butt stuck to the chair. Exactly. He's a mess. And uh, he Zim basically is trying to... He reemerges. He insults Dib, who we now realize is kind of like the shell of his former self. But mm-hmm. Zim is faced with this problem where he doesn't know how to impress the almighty Tallis, his like overlords from his home planet, and he thinks he figures out a way. He figures out that <laughs> Dib's father, um, Professor, Dr. Professor Membrane. Yeah, Doctor Membrane, has a basically this invention for a world peace bracelet, mm-hmm. and uh, Zim, without giving away too much, he goes about and tries to find a way to hijack that for his own evil deeds. And yeah. it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. This is a thing like we're counter to the uh Rocco show, and I'm glad that they went with this choice. It looks very sleek. It yeah. looks a bit different from the original incarnation, but I think that's necessary and yeah. needed for this. I think Invader Zim, for being a show that was, as I said before, kind of so ahead of its time, it's it's good to see kind of like a sleek new redesign, not huge redesign, but like definitely, definitely some tweaks done to the animation style and just overall look to the show and it's absolutely stunning looking in yeah. my opinion. I love it. I think that the story, the plot line is so great. It is so just traditionally Invader Zim, like mm-hmm. all the jokes, all the goofy ass plot elements that get brought up when <laughs> there's a part where uh Zim ends up introducing a sort of replacement for dr membrane Dib's father (laughs) which is just absolutely so silly Uh, and just so in my comfort zone of dumb humor i absolutely love that character so much um
1: it's just with this is like his pudding that he makes and like the science pudding he makes it for you know he's he's you know a clone of professor membrane uh which is dib and and uh gaz's father and like you know, Zim is trying to use this, this clone, you know, to be, you know, so that they don't even recognize that it's not their dad, Mm -hmm. but it's totally, like, not even close to their (laughs) actual father, and he, like, makes this pudding, which they don't even, like, they say it's, like, a joke where they say they don't even like pudding. Yeah. It's, like, yeah, no, I, I think that this one is, uh, you know, much more in my, uh, you know, Zone in terms of the comedy, I thought it was absolutely. I thought this one was super funny. Um, I, I would say front to back,
0: even more so in my statement about like how I want there to be more specials. I really want there to be more yes. Invader Zim specials. Like totally right. Every there, yeah. every season, like every like maybe this this winter or something, mm-hmm. give me like a new <laughs> Invader Zim special. This amount of length, yeah, it'd be great. And then like, the, I don't need like a whole series mm-hmm. again. Like just keep doing it this way. I think it'd be amazing
1: and i think this one benefits from its longer runtime it's like oh, 75 yeah. minutes long compared to only 45 and i i yeah i just think that the the whole way through like all, there's a lot of great bits with um with ger mm-hmm. uh, I, just, I thought that like ger's a lot song of, yeah ger's which song which is incredibly so annoying but so hilarious. and then the one of my favorite parts and something that makes me really love this special Uh, Was the when they actually like enter the Florpus Mm -hmm. and it's like switching between different art styles?
0: The Florpus, without giving too much away, it's it's basically this like black hole like rift that uh, Zim ends up opening due to his his plan with the the peace bracelets. But yes, that 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 part is is incredible. Awesome, like you know
1: they and it starts at the beginning of this this special starts in like a full on anime style and it's it's basically like it's oh um, man it's um, amazing looking what's the what's the dib right yes dib dib is like recounting you know the he's basically catching up to speed to what's happening and he's uh narrating with like him as this like anime character and and you see like invader you know you see zim and like it's basically like him just recounting like his his battle with Mm -hmm. him against zim and it's so it's so well done. And then at the end, you know, near, closer to the end, when they actually like, uh, you see the Florpus, and they then they're switching between these art styles, like like you know, every five seconds, every three seconds, and it, it just looks so amazing.
0: It really does. I,
1: yeah, that part was amazing. I, I thought that I just thought this was a much more substantial release compared to the the Rocco one. I'm going
0: agree with that absolutely.
1: Um, so like, that's kind of why I. Th- you know come out feeling better about it sure uh, but i do think that both you know have a lot uh in terms of just you know great quality
0: absolutely and yeah like this really just caught me off guard with how much it impressed me and in particular the invaders in one like mm-hmm. i expected to really love it but like i said i didn't expect to walk out of it with this like huge desire and like wanting to just see more of it Mm -hmm. especially done in this format and it's just like such a nice reminder of really how well this show has aged yeah it's aged incredibly well in
1: my opinion i want to go back and watch it i think it's on hulu
0: i Um, hope it is because i really want to do the same
1: so i think i might go back and watch all of invaders and i don't know that i ever saw all of it but yeah no i'm totally down to to go back and watch it now
0: yeah incredible series entirety it could be definitely potential for a future episode, because, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that, and I haven't seen that entire series in quite a long time, and, like, in light of this, and just... It would be interesting to, like, make that evaluation and just, like, see, like, how well this holds up. But, yeah, absolutely great. Just, like Michael was saying, amazing tricks done in the animation that were just so great. Amazing story, amazing performances all around. It was nice hearing... uh, Justin Roiland of Rick and Morty make a right. cameo appearance in it. It was cool hearing his voice and Rick and Morty obviously being something that I would say kind of has pulled some influence mm-hmm. from the original Invaders Zen yeah. series. And yeah, it's just wonderful. So yeah, if you're a fan of either of those shows and how can you not be, especially if you're of the demographic that we are, <laughs> um, there is a lot, a lot to love in both of them and go give them a watch. Absolutely. Do you have anything else to... I don't say about these. Yeah, I don't
1: think so. I I think they're kind of really straightforward. You know, if you if you really enjoyed the the shows, you'll really like them. Even if you you know maybe if you've never watched Invader Zim or Rock Was Modern Life, I think it's it's they'd totally be, worth checking out.
0: They'd be great gateway drugs yeah. to both of them, in my opinion. Definitely. What would you What would you rate them? of first, out of ten.
1: Um, I give it like a six and a half.
0: I'm actually feeling um, a. a just a strong eight on it yeah yeah that's i i I think it like yeah i don't know it just like really i i I think i i didn't realize like how much i missed that show and just missed that style Mm -hmm. of humor and also like i don't know just like a lot there was like a lot of overlap creatively with that show to spongebob right and like it was just nice getting that reminder of like spongebob being like probably one of the like maybe my favorite cartoon series ever especially from childhood yeah like I guess, like, yeah, we'll say favorite childhood cartoon series. Sure. It's nice getting reacquainted with what kind of birthed it and, like, really paved the way for yeah. that. Because that show itself is really special and really deserves, like, all the accolades it gets. Yeah. And then Invader's M, what would you rate
1: that? Um, I'd go a, a strong 8 on that one.
0: I, sure. I'd go a 9 on that, yeah. actually. I think it's just amazing. And like, like I've said before, it's... It's like the, it's a nostalgia trip and a half, and it's just like in the best possible yeah, way.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's it's really funny. I I've really enjoyed The Invaders in One a lot.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, we
1: are going to be talking
0: about It Chapter Two.
1: All right. Stay tuned, it. everybody. It Chapter Two is the follow-up to 2017's horror mega-hit It. Based on the infamous Stephen King novel, IT Chapter 2 continues the story of the first film as we join up with the Losers Club 27 years on, as they are required to return home to Derry to once and for all finish off the evil entity tormenting their hometown. Directed by Andy Muschietti, who returns from the first film, and starring James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, and Bill Hader, among others, taking on the roles of the now adult-sized Losers Club, IT Chapter 2 will undeniably be one of the fall's biggest box office hits. But does this film actually float to the level of greatness we all want it to achieve, or does it sink, unfortunately, into mediocrity? Dan, thoughts? It sinks. It sinks? <laughs> it sinks. <laughs> yeah. It kind of does. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Let, well, let, let me just say right now, we were fortunate enough to see this at a uh, a free event here in Chicago. Yes, we were. Um, it was a pre-screening event two weeks before the actual premiere for this movie, like the the, the wide release for this movie. It was
0: very cool. It was very yeah. cool to be at this and get together to see it, and now we can yeah. get this review out and running and yeah, talk
1: about it. You know, who knows how many t- opportunities we'll have to actually get uh, a review out before you know the actual wide release but this is an awesome opportunity but unfortunately uh you know like we said before this movie it it kind of sinks
0: it sinks absolutely. and um
1: so before we you know get into chapter 2 uh maybe let's talk a little bit about you know our feelings with the first film because this, yeah. this movie is you know very much it, it takes you know it's 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 a continuation of the first one this is a, really a chapter 2
0: absolutely um,
1: so Dan what did you think of the the first it
0: I thought the first one was fine um i definitely under. i think it came at the right place and the right time yes. um i think writing off the high of 80s nostalgia that was created by stranger things i think that, it, that. Uh, it definitely captured and rode on that that wave quite well it did what it needed to do obviously because I, I work at a bookstore mm-hmm. and the level of fanfare and just love that I see for for it and just for Stephen King in general in the last well, that first one came out in twenty sixteen. Twenty seventeen. Right? 2017. And the last, you know, now like two year and a half to two year time yeah. frame is has been huge. I mean obviously before the yeah. the first it came out it was it was revving up and people were getting really interested in it again and uh you know, just a lot of people who, you know, maybe had a sort of cult-like love for the original TV mm-hmm. series yeah. with, uh, like his name? Alan Tim Rick- Curry. Rick- Tim Curry, yes. With... <laughs> sort of similar. I could see where... They were the on. same... No, not really. <laughs> uh, with Tim Curry. Um Yeah, like, it, it became more vocal and became just... Mm-hmm it was brought into the mainstream and that, I think movie, that's made, cool. that
1: movie made 700 million dollars at the box office which is yeah. it is i believe the highest grossing horror film of all time yeah um it's crazy it's crazy how much it blew up honestly
0: and i think it's cool it's cool to see as michael and i are both fans of the horror genre mm-hmm. it's cool to see horror be have this like little this little niche that's out there yeah. or actually i should say big niche that is so popular and like widely loved but that being said, that's not necessarily what I look for in my horror. Right. And it, like going into the first one, it's fine for what it is, but it was never anything that I wanted to revisit, mm-hmm. and I haven't since I saw it in theaters. And I've never really felt that much of a desire with it, because Desire too, because it never really left that big of an impact with yeah. me. But it's fine. It's as a mainstream horror film goes it's it's a fun time
1: yeah um i think i would i would maybe give it a little bit more props the first film than than you just uh were saying you know I'd, I'd say the first film is probably like a six and a half or a seven out of ten it's 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 good it does what it needs to um just in terms of you know introducing the characters and you know the setting is is really well done and I think, you know, Pennywise, It it's tough because I am, you know, such a fan of the original miniseries, so I have, like, this, you know, huge reverence for Tim Curry's portrayal of Pennywise. Sure. And I don't know, like, even coming out of the first one, <clears throat> I was... I wasn't so on board with Bill Skarsgård's uh, portrayal of the character. But uh, not 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 necessarily, like, anything on his fault. Like, he's fine. You know, he does a good job portraying the character, but I guess, like, just how the... Um, portrayal is handled, you know, behind the scenes, like you know how they've made that character to be. I think he's just so, and it, it, this is definitely you know a, a bad thing about the second one. Like Pennywise is so goofy, so cartoony, and
0: it's a thing where I think the original the the TV series it it's it's sort of a property that kind of needed to exist in the '80s, and I don't mm-hmm. think down the road should have mm-hmm. been tried to like be restarted with this lens of like 80s nostalgia attached to it because it just works better when it's actually from that time it has the practical effects to it and it just has that charm whereas with the first movie trying to replicate it just doesn't hit as well in Mm -hmm. my opinion it just feels tacky and the same could definitely be said about it chapter two but well we'll get to that in just a couple seconds
1: yeah i think yeah just overall i think the first it is a fine movie like dan said it is totally you know riding off the hype of, of stranger things which came out a year prior uh to the first one's release and um you know i think you know the kids were good in it and uh how they acted and you know the things they said and just how you know how those characters acted in the first film it made sense for those characters absolutely uh, you know they were 12 13 year old prepubescent boys and you know the one one girl and they you know talk shit to each other and you know mom jokes and swearing, everything and, and, and it, dirty, it made sense yeah. and i think well let's just get into the second one now i think that the second one is way too heavy-handed with its humor And the Mm. characters are basically twelve year olds again, but like they're forty now. Like they talk as a forty year old. They talk exactly like they did as kids. Yeah. And it's it it just comes off as so it's so off putting. And
0: it's one thing to which I I do think there were some performances where the actors were they had like similar mannerisms to the Mm -hmm. children and kind of like played off that very well being the adult version of of these kids yeah but there are other examples of it where it just feels like being the adult version of these kids is like you just said acting the same and it's yeah. just it's kind of awkward like there
1: was it seemed like there's no progression in these character arcs from right you know when they were 12 years old in 1989 or whatever it is exactly to 2016 where the movie takes place it's it's weird and well let's do you have anything positive to say let's start with like positives yeah i think we'll have a, a good amount of negatives to talk about this movie um bill hater i'll give you the
0: first yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna just say that but i didn't want to but yeah see so like basically just took the words right out of my mouth <laughs> yes i mean i'm kind of a i would say kind of a slut for bill hater because <laughs> i think barry is one of the finest pieces of television to come about in the last five years he is phenomenal acting wise on that um he also writes and directs quite a bit of it and especially the episodes that he directed incredible yeah absolutely phenomenal work and it's good it, it, he's great in this he's very enjoyable i would kind of say kind of falls into that trap of being childlike yes. in his adult
1: form um, but I, th- I think his character it works a lo- it
0: works for his character yeah. because he his character is he grows up to be a, a comedian and he's yeah. like kind of like a silly comedian type dude and it's fine it works but I, I would say that his performance kind of does fall into that trap a little bit sure but it's in a positive in a positive way yeah. so I would say Bill Hader I would say there were uh, there were a good amount of scenes like there's a we'll kind of say this more, I'll elaborate more in spoiler territory, but some of the scenes with Pennywise, I was pretty fine with. There's like a, a scene in particular, this isn't necessarily a spoiler, but there's a, a, a murder that's about to be committed in like a, a hall of mirrors and a yes. circus. And I thought yeah. that scene was very cool. It was very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit, even though you could see the resolution of that scene coming a mile away. Sure. I still liked it. It was, it was fun. I, um, I would say there's not so much anything where I can say like, oh, I really like the script or I really like the directing. <laughs> I, I I didn't. It's more so there's there's just bits and pieces from it that I can pull sure. into certain scenes that I think are good and fine, but not too many. Mm-hmm. So it's more so just there's there's a good amount of like moments. A lot of the pennywise material I think is fine and Man, I hate to say that, but that's really the extent of my <laughs> huge positives towards Bill this. Hader and all Bill Hader, caps, really Hader and great just movie. certain bits that I found very entertaining. <laughs>
1: I'll say I'll say this. I'll say the the first like I would say 30 or 40ish minutes. This is also a like, let's make this, you know, let's set the groundwork here. This movie is 170 minutes long. It is long. long. It is about as long it as, so as long, Avengers guys. Endgame or like The Godfather. It is and so long. There is nowhere, literally no reason that it should be this long. Nowhere near
0: as engaging as either of those films. Yes. Godfather and Endgame I can watch
1: anytime. And I am like completely fine with L- it. Let, let me just put this into perspective. So the original miniseries, the original TV miniseries is three hours long. It Chapter 2 is nearly just as long as the original miniseries was and i don't think it adds basically anything to the story like yeah. there are bits and pieces there are like the set pieces that they add um in the middle of this movie uh, all the characters get separated you know they all come back the this the setting or like the setup for this movie is that all the characters have to come back to Derry after initially defeating pennywise the the evil entity that's taken over the their hometown of Derry. They originally defeated it in nineteen eighty-nine as children, and they made an oath that they would come back to if they ever needed to again. Right. So the thing with it it comes back every twenty-seven years, and so it's back in twenty sixteen when they're adults now. And at the middle of this movie they, they're all back in Derry, and they become separated to be to find uh their own kind of knick-knacks or like some something that they uh that represents them uh that they can burn and then it, they have like a basically a séance to to finish off the the evil entity. Right. And that middle sequence is like uh I don't know exactly where I was coming when I first started talking about this, but um that middle sequence is like so long it adds nothing. That's what I was talking about. It adds like nothing to this movie except for like reasons to see more like variations on Pennywise, or like that evil entity. Like yeah. Or, and, and oh, okay. So you mean, the, um, you know what? Let's. Well, I don't. I, I, I don't hate... think this is. I don't think this is spoiled. Okay. I don't okay. think. I honestly don't think this is.
0: Spoiler. So to so basically the sequences where, um, you see each individual, each individual. I'm not gonna say kid, but I mean, right? The, 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 we're the former kids from the first the the Losers, Losers Club. Club. Um, when you see their experiences with Pennywise yes. and like the, yeah. It, I mean it. I, I said this to Michael as we finished watching it at the screening. I could have gone for just one sequence of that for each character, sure. but we get two. Yeah, we get two sequences of this, and it,
1: it's it. I'll say it's like kind of well done in the first half of this, and this is a long part of this movie. This is like the entire. I would say like, what this is one third of this movie. Like the second third of this movie is uh each character going off and revisiting a a part from their childhood and we see you know we see them now and it flashes back to them as kids um basically the conceit is that this happened to them while they were 12 or 13 as well they all got separated and like went on their own journeys or whatever and now they're going to revisit those places and it's kind of cool to see them go back to the kids and and see like the parallel between them now and them then
0: exactly but
1: like Dan said we see most of the characters a second time like they do another sequence like another set piece basically and the weird thing for me is that the main not the main character but the character that rounds all them up again mike he doesn't get this scene like no. he do, he's not involved in any of this which is so weird to me cuz everyone strange. else gets this part where they go off and they meet pennywise again you know they they have their own like little showdown with pennywise and I don't understand why he's not involved and then why we see multiple uh sequences for some of the characters. Right. And it just becomes it's one of the things with. It's this so movie.
0: tedious. This whole yes. this whole watch is incredibly tedious. It's I I it's just I mean and the thing is, it's just like for I, I don't understand the point. I mean, I don't know if it's just to Because fans like maybe want more time with these characters Mm -hmm. and to see Pennywise, you know, do his thing on screen. But it's like, to what end does this further the story? I mean, it it doesn't.
1: Most of them, yeah, most of
0: them don't. It just just sets you in with this long, drawn-out sequence of scenes that, Mm -hmm. I mean, the point was made. And there are other ideas that are introduced, which we'll get in the spoiler territory, where... It would have made more sense to kind of delve into that a little bit more. But no, instead we just see the Losers Club hanging out in Derry and having these bad adulthood experiences with yeah. Pennywise over and over again. And it's just, it adds nothing to this. And there's also another plot element that gets brought up. Um, there's a reintroduction of...
1: Are you sure you want to reintroduce? I, I don't know if this would be spoilery. That might be spoilery. Well, we'll
0: save that for... But there's a reintroduction of another character, which... Good lord. That that may <laughs> be my least favorite part of that entire movie. What a
1: literal waste. But we'll get to that. We'll get into that in the um, spoilers. I, I do want to say, I think the first like 30 to 40 minutes of this movie is pretty good. Um, sure. I thought the editing was actually really well done. When they were like going between each character. And they're setting up uh, each character as an adult. And getting they're all getting their call from Mike. And I thought that was really well handled. Um, and I just
0: thought of another scene that I very much loved. But yeah? it's going to be in spoilers. Oh, okay.
1: Otherwise... And I, I, this, this isn't a spoiler or anything. Well, this might be my last point before we get to, to spoiler territory. But what my biggest issue I think with this movie is that it, there's like so little stakes. And with the, at least it feels like there's so little stakes for a lot of it. And you can tell that there is, especially in that middle part where they're all facing him off one after another. Like you have a feeling like this isn't going to be the end for any of these characters, right It's just like right. a spook right It's just the scam, yeah, and i I think I, I told this to Dan uh when we walked out of it, it this movie feels a lot like a haunted house mm-hmm. um where it's all like these parlor tricks, right so like for me personally, when I go to a haunted house, I've been to a couple in the past few years. I'm, like, walking through and laughing the whole time because, like, it's just so silly. It's so silly. It's It's so silly to me. Like, all, like, these creepy people who are, like, trying to scare you, but, like, they can't do anything to you. You know, there's no harm being done. You're being squished through these, like, little hallways. And it's, like, a, it's a funny, it's, like, funny to me, like, watching everyone scream and everything. And a lot of It Chapter 2 feels like that. And, you know, the first one had that as well, but the first one at least had um like build up like it had like actual build up and there were like things you could see in the back i remember from the first film there's a scene in the library with ben and like this is something you like in the corner of the screen like no one would you know like most people probably wouldn't notice this but he's sitting in the corner you know he's sitting down at the library and in the corner the the librarian is just smiling at him like like grinning at him like this creepy grin and, like, this movie, like, there's, like, creepy moments that you can, like, latch onto and be like, oh, that's fucking weird, that's scary. This movie has none of that. It doesn't. And and that
0: haunted house analogy is so perfect, because it's so true, because then also you you get these reveals of monsters and mm-hmm. terrifying things happening, and you just look at it and you're like... You laugh at it. Yeah, and, and a lot of that's due in part to just the bad to extremely cheap looking cgi that just plagues this entire movie like it looks like a movie from the last decade in terms of cgi yeah
1: it the cgi it's it's crazy to me how bad it looks. honestly even at like the beginning which i also think the intro to this movie is really good if anyone's read the book um it's basically the intro to the the original book and um great scene That that
0: was a great intro to it i
1: think that scene's really great and but even at the end of that scene it's the first five minutes so it's not really too much of a spoiler but you do see pennywise you know bite into somebody and like and this was a problem with the first film as well the cgi i thought was pretty bad but like every time you see pennywise like transform into like from the clown regular clown to like this monster with these big you know huge fangs and, and and like his mouth elongates and everything It just looks so silly it really does. it looks so bad and there's so like i don't think there's a single scene in this movie with pennywise where he doesn't transform into something where his face doesn't disfigure somehow where it doesn't like you know even like the scene there's like a scene with like this little girl at one point where there's not even any reason for it but his face kind of just like melts and like becomes all weird looking like yeah that that my big one of my biggest issues is is just the scares uh they're not scary a lot of the characters react in like really odd ways and like crack jokes a lot of the time Mm -hmm. so like again that adds to like the fact that there's like no stakes or it feels like there's no stakes because like people are like almost dying and then they're like cracking a joke or have like this weird uh reaction to it and then the cgi itself is awful and there's barely any like there's either build up to, like, a really unsatisfying, you know, uh scare or cheap scare or there's, like, no build-up at all and you just get this, like, awful CGI monster that is... it adds, like, no value to it. No, not at um, all.
0: And it's just another thing, too, with this, and something, like, when you were talking about the first one, I think there was... I think it just... I think the first... It just had an overall better script, I think mm-hmm. we had time with a lot of these characters. I think it made for a more engaging view, seeing these children, like what their upbringing is like, what their what you know problems that they go through, mm-hmm. like with um Beverly's character and her abusive father like that there was all a lot of elements in play that made for a more engaging story. Mm-hmm. And this is utterly lacking that. Yeah. Like, once you see them as adults, it's just like, I really do not care about the... pretty much any of these, these yeah. plots.
1: Again, like, the chem- I, I don't think the chemistry is there when they're it's adults. really Like, not... the kids were really, they were great together. Yeah, like, absolutely. And the scenes yeah. we get in this movie where all the kids are back back together and i think all that stuff's great. Mm-hmm. um but where this movie again it 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 falters is you know all these scenes where like it's just one character you're following one character for like 30% of this movie and we're jumping between characters and i don't know they just they didn't it just didn't feel justified. No. um and i don't th- yeah like i said i don't think the characters meld together as well as they did as kids. um yeah. <laughs> um Before we get into spoiler territory, Dan, do you want to give me a score on this one? I am feeling
0: a five on Chapter Two. I'm right there with you. (laughs) Just right down the middle, like, it's weird. I think I maybe feel more negatively about this than the score that I'm willing to Mm -hmm. give it, but I, I suppose that just says that, like, you know, despite its numerous flaws, there are enjoyable aspects to it, I do think that this is a film that people that are not myself will love. Yes.
1: I will say this, that absolutely. if you're listening to this and you're saying like, oh man, they hated it, maybe I'm going to hate it. I would say 90% of the audience that we saw with loved this movie. Absolutely. At least if, from what I could tell, people were laughing, people were enjoying themselves, people were loving this.
0: So if being that this film is about just as long as a movie like Avengers Endgame, say that you are somebody that loves it, and Stephen King, the level that I love Marvel Comics, uh-huh. this will be Endgame for you. So please, I mean, go see it. If, yeah. if that is is like this is like Avengers Endgame, that is a colossal epic that I am just like locked in every time sure. it's just like I eat this shit up. I love it. Let's go. This is a great <laughs> version of it. So if that's you for it and for Stephen King in general. Please go see it. Yeah. Like, I'm not. I'm like don't. I'm, this is just an opinion on it. Maybe you'll feel the same way. I don't know. Maybe it won't really be your cup of tea either. But I'm. I am not. Discouraging any of you yeah. from seeing. this If
1: you liked the first it, I don't think there's any reason why you wouldn't see this. Exactly. Uh, you know, would you if... feel as strongly about it though. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Even like the initial reactions I've heard elsewhere have been kind of. You know, I don't think anyone has said that like, this is better than the first one. So kind yeah. of go into it with some lesser expectations. Maybe. Maybe you'll love it. Maybe you won't. I enjoyed myself some amount of the time. I would say you know about fifty percent exactly you know there are some good jokes here and there but i also think there is a lot that just isn't funny at all or like i could there were jokes that i would i could see coming and i just oh, like absolutely. i would roll my eyes when they came and i just uh the script yeah like like we said i don't think the script is as as strong in this one like nearly no. as strong and uh yeah i would i would totally give this movie a five out of ten. Five out of um, ten from both of us let's uh all right, we're going to break it off right here. If you haven't seen this movie, which you probably haven't because it's not out yet, we're getting into spoilers. If you want to come back after you've seen the movie, come join us again. We're going to have a Q&A after, after we get done with spoilers here, so definitely come back. But, yeah, let's get into spoilers, Dan. And also, uh, feel free to inf- uh, email
0: us at infinitecanvasalt at com or tweet at us at icyultrapod on your yeah. thoughts, your just... Write us a review about it. Yeah. Let's let's hear what you have to say about it. Chapter two, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's take a deep dive in that horrible CGI and like maybe one of the most egregious scenes in that movie for me is the uh, evil grandma oh reveal my God. and the biggest example of like <laughs> a, a film version of a haunted house presenting you with something that is not scary, yeah, but it's just something goofy.
1: Okay, let me let me just say this. <laughs> When the, I don't know if you've seen you've seen the trailers yourself but the, there was a trailer for this movie that showed basically that entire scene yeah it showed and if people are watching this or hearing this it's the trailer with uh where Jessica Chastain as um Beverly goes back to her old uh where she used to live her old apartment and she you know meets up that she meets with this old woman who now lives there uh finds out her father's dead of course and, she's acting very the old woman yes. that lives there now is acting ultra suspicious yes. and she's like ooh. And <laughs> I think in the trailer Come on in, for <laughs> in the trailer they like there are moments where like you see her be real weird and like you can see her in the background she's like naked or whatever and it's like you're like what the fuck is it? it's like actually set up in a you know fairly we, it's fairly right. well done like it could land and then, and it could be very And in the trailer good. it works because you don't see the awful CGI grandmother and then and you when you see it in this movie I I you, she, I, I my, my jaw dropped. She comes out so as bad.
0: this like stock green looking old woman with these like bulbous huge eyes, like, it's, like it, pug eyes, kind of. It's and almost it like it like it looks
1: hideous. If anyone it's remembers Pumpkinhead, yeah, like this long, like super tall, like eight feet tall, super skinny old woman, saggy little tits. It's so gross looking. It's so weird. It's it takes you out of the moment so much and like her mangle like her face dimensions just don't even make sense and she's no. like come give grandma a hug or like whatever it's, bullshit it's line is. It's so was laughably that. bad. It's so bad and it takes the entire like air out of that movie. It it squeezes the air out of the balloon, as you might say. hundred and ten percent.
0: And uh yeah, like now that we're in spoiler territory, one of the biggest things I wanna get into, which I feel like there should have been more of an emphasis on, is why, why don't we just get more of Pennywise terrorizing Dairy in 2016 when this takes sure. place? And, like, instead... Which they, they dabble in that. But that scene I was talking about before with the Hall of Mirrors, there's a, a kid that's introduced... And I actually really like this plot element. There's this child that, like, lives in the same house that um, yep. Bill lived in when he was a kid. And... Bill is afraid that this child is gonna have the same fate that his little brother did in the mm-hmm. original. It, and I really like that. I thought that was pretty well done.
1: Yeah, they they like resurfaced the kid. Like the first introduction of the kid is pretty funny, where Bill Hader like thinks he's like the kid. You know, says like, "Hey, aren't you uh, whatever Richie?" Whatever he
0: recognizes him as a comedian. as a comedian, and
1: like ri- like this is right after a, a scene where they were all introduced to like. Pennywise again, like they had forgotten. The whole thing is that they forget yeah. after the twenty-seven years, and they come back and they start piecing it all together, right?
0: And the child says something to Richie Bill Hader's character that comes across as like kind of menacing, and right. like I, I, this should be followed up with. And also one of my favorite scenes in the movie, they're having their reunion at this Chinese mm-hmm. restaurant, and everything just goes to shit. They're all imagining that like everything they're eating or like all those, there's like, like these fortune cookies, yeah, these fortune cookies. There's like these like half-formed, like, birds and, like, bats coming yeah. out of it. And weird, like, like ba- weird... half
1: baby, half, like, lobster Yes, yeah, like, these, like,
0: mutant creatures that are coming really out of Also really bad
1: Also super terrible CGI. Bad
0: CGI, but I liked the but premise it's... of that scene. Yes. I thought it was very entertaining. Same. Yeah. And, of course, it culminates in, like the waitress walks in and she just sees everybody smashing everything uh-huh. and she's just like oh do you want the bill it's yeah. like uh, but like a good scene i thought it was like pretty pretty cool way of like reintroducing you know their experiences with pennywise mm-hmm. back into the story and then yeah it culminates with bill hater's character seeing this kid the kid says something menacing and he like freaks out <laughs> on the kid he tells him to like shut the fuck up <laughs> or like, something. i
1: can see my fucking through yeah. you, kid. <laughs> and um, then his
0: parents go to get the little boy. But yeah, so that's his introduction, and then we find out again and later. you think
1: that it would just be, like, this one-off scene, and then they, like, kind of bring it back, and you, like, Bill, like, runs into him again, yeah. like, at his old house, and it like it's kind of well done.
0: I, I, like, I like that arc. I thought that was great, but it's cut short, and then again like why get we also get another instance of this too of this little girl at a football game and she ends up having an encounter with mm-hmm. pennywise that obviously goes bad because why would it go yeah. well um and yeah no instead of scenes like this which actually work really well and it's an interesting idea to have the the losers you know come back into a new dairy where they kind of have to like Help save the town, right. which would have been a much better it's, plot. It's but less about saving get the that. town,
1: just more about like them just it's wanting just, to defeat it for their own personal exactly. reasons. It's, almost, it's you know? very
0: weak. Um, and speaking also of, ble- of like horrendous plot elements in this movie, we get the reintroduction of the bully from the first Henry movie. Bowers, yes, who um, is like he is now in a mental institution and he is. Being declared insane after the events yeah. of the first one, and why? Why yeah, do we he's... ever need to delve back into yeah. this plot element? Not well, mention... it it is
1: you know it's taken from the book, I'm sure. It's it is true. in the original miniseries, at least. So That's I'm sure true. It's taken from the book, but, but
0: it just in it's it just it just lands so badly on its face yeah. because now we get this secondary arc of him trying to get revenge on the Losers Club, and it's just him going about dairy just terrorizing them all again and as if we needed another plot element of like this like figure of terror going after them right. when we already have it twice with mm-hmm. pretty much each of the characters <laughs> with the exception of mike yeah. with pennywise it just it feels like chewing on the same piece of gum for yeah. an hour longer than you should have and it just adds it adds nothing there is no flavor to it and this whatsoever. is this is
1: another thing um like when i was was saying about you know having no consequences or the characters having really weird reactions to stuff is when uh eddie which is actually one of the stronger parts of this movie i think eddie as a character is actually pretty pretty good and is the actor who portrays him is a does a good job but eddie gets stabbed in the face by henry bowers and like just like walk like he, he like walks it off and it's like made into a joke like yeah. it's such a weird reaction from him and like doesn't make he doesn't like yell for help or anything he just no. like gets stabbed and this is the guy who is like afraid of everything and he is able to stab henry bowers back and then it goes into this whole other thing and yeah i just it didn't make any sense to me it's like another one of those moments that i i, I think the writing is is honestly kind of bad in this movie it's a,
0: it's a glaring plot inconsistency yeah it's just it's no good. Um, it's, it's really not good.
1: But like uh, one of the scenes I really love, like it, like the little girl when she goes under the stands and you know meets Pennywise, and I thought it was really cool that she was like, "You're not my friend. You're fucking creepy." Like, yeah. I thought that was really well done. And the intro scene, uh, where the the gay couple is, um, they're it's this, it's this gay couple that are at a festival um in dairy and they they walk off and and they get like harassed by these teenagers and then they they walk over to this bridge they leave the festival and they walk over to this bridge and the the teenagers follow them and and they like beat these two uh gay guys ass asses basically and they throw the one over the bridge as he's like having an asthma attack and he's like beaten to a pulp and um you know the the boyfriend you know runs down and he's like gonna try and save him and then Pennywise is on the other side and it's actually like a really well done scene absolutely
0: it's a great intro um, to the movie up
1: until I think that moment where Pennywise gets the the guy and he like his mouth becomes like this weird like the CGI happens and it like
0: mm-hmm. ta-
1: again it takes like the whole air out of the the movie like it completely it, you know there's there's no practical effects in this movie and None. I am I am a you know I'm a I'm not a strict like has to be practical effect guy or anything, but like that is my shit. Like Absolutely. I love that stuff. Like John Carpenter's a thing is like one of my favorite movies of all time. And like 100%. the special effects in that movie still hold up today. There's actually like a weird reference in it chapter two to that movie, if you didn't notice with like the head, the spider yeah. head. But like it's all all of it is so one of the Shottily best, done. one of
0: the best action films of this decade, and also a Warner Brothers picture, Mad Max: Fury Road, mm-hmm. entirely practical yeah. effects. Yeah. Like, I think it would have made for a much more substantial experience if they would have gone in that route. And, and you like, think about like pulled off those effects like that, and they very well could have.
1: They there are there are totally no. there are totally villains in this movie, or you know like entities uh, or shapes that Pennywise takes. That could have been done in practical effects. They did Absolutely. not have to be CGI. No. Nope. You look at something like Conjuring 2, which has the crooked man. which You know, they suited up Doug Jones. That guy who is always in the Guillermo del Toro movies. And you look at Guillermo del Toro movies, which are mostly practical effects. And they're horror movies, and they have these crazy creatures. Mm-hmm. And... Like, you look at those, and you think, like, they did them practical <sighs> effects. Why couldn't... Why couldn't they do it for it? And Conjuring is also a Warner Brothers property. So, like, they have, like... They have people who can do this stuff, but they rather go to all this awful-looking CGI, and it takes a lot of the, yeah, it just it takes you out of the film, and it really ruins a lot of the the <laughs> moments that are supposed to be scary.
0: Absolutely. Back um, to Pennywise, and also just a moment that I want to touch on while we're in uh, spoiler territory. I think my my favorite moment with Pennywise in this movie is probably when you're in the old apartment. Yeah. Uh, and Pennywise is there because it's like this—the old woman that uh, Beverly encounters is insinuated that's like Pennywise's mother, either or... granddaughter, I believe. Okay, I believe that or that no, da- yeah, daughter, daughter, and, and Pennywise is her father. Exactly, and uh, you get a shot of Pennywise just.
1: No makeup. No
0: makeup on, but like every time like it cuts to Beverly and then it cuts to him, he's like transforming yeah, over he's like, time. He's like and... putting
1: on the makeup and it's actually a really well done scene.
0: Absolutely love that. Scene. Yeah. I thought that was incredible. And like his like
1: his he like starts crying blood and mm-hmm. like it, it makes like the, the you know, the paint, like the red paint that he you usually see him as. It's it actually fantastic. really well done.
0: Really love that bit. I think that was like one of the like most clever scenes in yeah. that movie, and I really enjoyed that quite a lot. But
1: Well uh, well did you have more on, on that? Not so really. I just kinda of wanted to touch on
0: that that moment because I,
1: I really enjoyed it. And I, I actually have a, a big problem with Pennywise in these movies. Because I don't think Pennywise is done well. Like, I don't I don't think that character is really well realized. He comes no. he comes off yeah. as so creepy the entire time, but like he's always undermined by these awful effects and he's always just I don't know, like, Tim Curry had, and obviously I'm coming to this with, like, my, you know, my rose-tinted glasses coming from, you know, my fandom for the for the original miniseries, and Tim Curry was is fantastic. Tim Curry is a yeah. hundred times better as a Pennywise than, than the one that we get in these movies. And he, he just, he had, like, more fun with it. Like, it was more enjoyable to watch Pennywise. Every time I see him in the new iteration, I just... Like, it just doesn't come together. It's
0: the stereotypical, I'm a creepy clown yeah. guy. Like, like
1: performance. There are, like, so many moments I can, like, pull from. And that just mid- does nothing for me. And There's
0: nothing intimidating about yeah. that. It just feels like a focus group
1: thing where yeah. it's like, oh, this is what a scary clown monster should act like. There are literally moments from the original miniseries that I would say that are... Far scarier than anything that this movie has, Definitely. and like that original miniseries is from nineteen ninety. It was a made for ABC TV special, like, and somehow Tim Curry's performance and the effects that they do, and just like his his, I don't know, just yeah, like his performance is just so much better, and he he comes off way creepier than than Bill Skarsgård's performance could ever come
0: absolutely, from.
1: and then. The end of this movie also fucking sucks, I think.
0: Pennywise was beaten by self confidence and, like, <laughs> not being afraid
1: of your fears. What the fuck? <laughs> like, okay, again, what the fuck was, like, why? When he's getting beaten down, he's, you know, this spider. And, like, that whole sequence is so stupid, I think, with, like, the big spider and, like, Pennywise. And he's, like, following him around, and it's supposed to be, like, this big bombastic uh climax and i think it's all just like pretty terrible honestly some of the best cgi of the whole movie somehow it's like they spent their entire budget on that part but right at the end like when they beat him down like we're not afraid of you blah 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 he like turns into this weird like baby mm-hmm. like melted baby thing which is so fucking weird it's like again like one of these things that just it's it's, why? it's so
0: tacky yeah like of course like you big scary monster which was once a big scary monster now he's a little baby yeah. like it's it's such a corny way to drive that point home and to like give this situation finality yeah. like it's just it's silly um it's very silly
1: and i know we're rambling but like um another thing i did like was the was richie's character and um how they introduced him basically as like a clos- closeted Homosexual, yeah, um, and his like love for Eddie, and I thought that was super sweet. And I thought, there, like, Bill Hader, like, like we said before, Bill Hader is the best part of this movie for sure. And his performance, like, he's funny, but he also gets super serious. And like, the end scene where you know Eddie's dying in his arms, and he's like, We can save, like, it, like, I felt it, like, where he's like, We can save him, like, come on, it's guys, like, pulling him apart from him, and like, I actually was like, Damn, this. Fuck it sucks. Like I like those it are the two real. best characters. It, in that it movie. felt
0: like if you were with a friend who yeah. had just like had something like something tragic happen to them and you'd want to try to save them but you know that they're they're going mm-hmm. like you feel it. You feel that kind of intense emotion from his performance in that, and that. it was really great. He was
1: really good. Um I don't know. Did you have anything I thought, like, the whole Native American thing was, like, so patched together. That seems like... I'm sure that's something from the
0: book. That's, like, Mike's way of, like, beating them. You know? I feel like he... This isn't what happens at all. I'm just being a dick. But he's like, I had an ayahuasca session, and I realized that if we get in a, get into a, a circle and we summon demons, we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll beat Pennywise. Oh, it's, God. like, it's so stupid. It's so cheesy. It's so, so stupid. Um... Uh, yeah, and I, thought I legit that thought that stupid. that like for a moment I was kind of thinking like oh that's legit how they're gonna conclude this but then no they do it with a maybe even more stupid way of with them just or with the spider, just, uh, the with spider the and down. then them just like. Insulting realizing him. wait a minute <laughs> if we're not afraid of
1: him we take away his power which like they already did in the first movie right like wasn't the thing exactly. that they did in the first movie um so like yeah the, the entire finale to this movie is basically the same as the first they one. didn't even need to summon spirits <laughs> to to kill
0: pettywise they just had to do the exact same thing oh, they man. did when they were 12. yeah yeah
1: I'm trying to think if there's anything else honestly I think like just like all the other adult performances are like fine like no
0: one really sticks out
1: like even james mcavoy i thought was like kind of like not very good but also like again like that probably comes down to the script is really bad usually i like jessica chastain and james mcavoy i think here they're like especially just jessica chastain is like undervalued and like barely used all that much i feel like and poor, then,
0: poor James McAvoy he's just been given shit script after yeah. shit he's been in a lot of duds this year <laughs> I will say this this isn't as bad as X-Men I will say that it's not well, a Dark Phoenix probably Glass I haven't seen mm-hmm. Glass but I'm sure Glass That's is true. atrocious as well either. and he
1: pulled off an american accent okay and yeah. had, a, had a stutter <laughs> yeah yeah you know to be uh, an english actor and have to do the american accent plus a stutter like it's pretty pretty impressive so i'm, I'm not think. gonna knock james mackerel i will say that uh I, I didn't
0: really mind jay ryan too much i thought he Which kind of he? he was like the he heavier ben? kid yeah yeah ben who yeah, is now like a, it's all right more, more so, yeah, Ben's more so now. in the sense that like I thought he kind of did the whole like, had the same mannerisms of like his child mm-hmm. self, but like played as an adult. Right. Well, I think he maybe did that the best out of all of them because there was actually a scene in there like where they cut to a flashback and, like, the child actor playing Ben, and it's like, wow, like, he's actually, like, just certain inflections and just, like, the way he was Mm -hmm. speaking, it felt very close to how the child was. So I I was pretty impressed with that. I would
1: would say the James Finley Ransone, as I read it here from Wikipedia, because I definitely do not know his name, but the guy who plays um, the adult version of Eddie, yeah, is actually like second tier to uh, Bill Hader. I think in this movie, I agree. I thought he was great. There's actually a scene. He looks exactly like his child counterpart. It's crazy how they how they got them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene where like they show the the child and he's like straight up center uh, right in front of the screen, a close up, and it like melds uh, the adult version over it, and like that was pretty well done, and like shows you just how well they casted that character. And I thought his performance was really good. And like I said, like the, the dynamic between Eddie and Richie, I think, is really strong in this movie. But yeah, I I don't know if I have too much more to say about it. We've already talked about it for 45 minutes. Yeah, I think we've, I think we've covered all the bases. <sighs> I'm pretty disappointed. Me too. Um, I, I didn't go in with the biggest expectations. Like, the first one I thought was alright. And honestly, I, I thought that a lot of the weakest parts of the first movie were Pennywise. And a lot of the strengths came from the kids. Like it was a fun like '80s, you know, romp like a like a coming of age story, you know, like 100%. like they usually are. Whereas you know this one, it just they the characters don't mesh together as well, and yeah, no. and the script is is way worse, yeah, absolutely. Way, way worse.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's all we need to say about about Itch chapter two.
1: I hope everyone else enjoys it. I hope uh, so this too. This movie is gonna do amazing and for I, sure.
0: Oh, it will, and I assure you. I said I never really had a desire to revisit a chapter one. I will never revisit a chapter two.
1: I will say right now this movie feels three hours long.
0: Oh my God. When I got up from my seat, it felt like it was the first time I stood in <laughs> in years. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, guys. We're, that's Yeah, those are our thoughts on a chapter two. Again, please... Message us at infinitecanvasalt at gmail.com or tweet at us at icultrapod on Twitter. Give us your thoughts and opinions on this movie. I really want to hear them. Yeah. I really, I really want to hear some positive fakes on this. Yeah. Tell us about how much you loved it. That would be great. It would be really great. But we're going to take a short little break. We're going to close out the show with, some sh- uh, with Q&A and some shout outs. And we'll see you in a couple. Welcome back everybody, Infinite Canvas Ultra episode 5, and we are now at Q&A, my favorite segment on the show. This is where you, the adoring public, ask us questions. We have a little dialogue, talk about the show, everything that we talk about on the show. It's great. I love it. First question comes in from Alyssa. She asks, it might be a little early to ask, but are there any good Halloween or October horror movies y'all are looking forward to? It's a great question. Because we always are on the lookout for horror movies, like new ones to watch around that time. As you all know, Michael and I, movie-going companions, always check stuff (laughs) out. Kind of more on the lighter side, not necessarily a scary horror movie, but I am definitely looking forward to the new Zombieland, Zombieland Double Tap, which is supposed to come out October 11th.
1: Finally, man. I know. Ten years in the making. Ten years. It's crazy. I am very excited for this. Everyone's back. Jesse Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson. Same
0: cast ten years later. Um... It's it's amazing seeing like especially Jesse Eisenberg and Emma Stone like how much how their careers have blossomed yeah. since then. It's like kind of amazing to see them coming back to this property and it's great. I'm looking forward to it. I think
1: the beginning of the trailer. I love the beginning of the trailer where it's like it's naming all the actors and it's like Academy Award nominated Jesse Eisenberg, Academy Award winning you know uh, Emma Stone. It's like it's so funny that ten years ago yeah, they would youngsters. not. They, yeah like up did not have that
0: like nobody really knew at that time and look at them now
1: it's Shit. pretty amazing it's crazy um and yeah i'm a huge fan of the original zombie i haven't seen it in a number of years i hope it holds up
0: i watched it again recently it's uh it's a little goofy yeah but i still enjoy it i think yeah. i kind of enjoy it on the level of like i how much i enjoy super bad mm-hmm. probably oh.
1: I love Superbad.
0: I really love that movie. I actually
1: watched Superbad pretty recently, and I thought that movie was just as funny as it was back then. That movie is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, Um, I I had similar feelings with the original Zombie Land. Like it's it's just a really good time. I was grinning ear to ear (laughs) rewatching it again. So
1: I'm very excited for that. Um, I'm pretty interested in Three from Hell, which is the the third in the uh, trilogy from Rob Zombie. Uh, following up house of a thousand corpses and the devil's rejects Mm -hmm. um it's hard to say like with rob zombie's recent film output or actually like most of his film output is not very great but i actually do really like house of a thousand corpses um and devil's rejects is actually like a pretty damn good movie and so i i guess if they're gonna like continue that that's really interesting um i guess that comes out next month or by the time you're hearing this, this month in uh, limited release, but I think that should be out probably on on, on demand uh, around Halloween. So that's something like I'm kind of pretty interested in. I'll, I mean, I'll watch it. Have you ever seen? Um, I actually haven't. No. Um, I don't know if House of a Thousand Corpses really holds up, uh, but Devil's Rejects is actually a pretty, pretty damn good movie. I'll
0: have to stop sleeping uh, on those. Yeah. And speaking of sleep, huh? Coming up from uh, another one that I am excited for. I'm hoping it's really good. (laughs) Also going back to who we've been talking about for a large portion of this show. Stephen King's Doctor Sleep, which is coming out... When
1: is that coming out again? November 8th. Yeah. So a little bit after Halloween. past Halloween, but still fall. Still spooky time. Yeah. I I don't know that I would have said that I'd be so much interested in this movie. Uh, Just as like a sequel to The Shining. Like, how do you follow up The Shining? And I don't know too much about the book um i i feel like i've heard like pretty good things about it um but the fact that they have and mcgregor is pretty damn good absolutely and mike flanagan is directing this and if you know if you don't know mike flanagan he put together um house uh, the haunting of hill house mm-hmm. uh hush uh gerald's game which is another stephen king adaptation yeah he's made some really great horror movies and and i think haunted of hill house or haunting of hill house is like one of the best like series on Netflix, probably.
0: I need to watch that too. That show I've is never, so good. Never
1: watched that. So, yeah, I'm totally uh, in for whatever he's got up next. And if it's a sequel to The Shining, uh, the trailer looks pretty good. So Absolutely. I'm down for that. Thanks um, for that. Yeah. Oh, th- I was going to say, um, did you have any kind of. You know, we're talking about like Halloween and October movies. Did you have any things you kind of go back to? Uh, I
0: feel like I always end up watching the shining yeah around halloween oh,
1: that's perfect i yeah. mean
0: that's my favorite i would say probably my favorite horror movie of all time um and yeah i just seem like i like i actually both carpenter films the shining and the thing not like mm-hmm. traditional you know kind of like halloween time horror
1: a carpenter film
0: Oh, that's right, Kubrick. That's right, it's Kubrick. Yes. Duh. But, um, but the thing, yeah, The Shining, the thing. I, I feel like I always get like an itch to like want to watch those mm-hmm. movies in October, like right before the week of Halloween. Yeah. So those are kind of like my two classic horror go-to's around that time.
1: Nice. I always go back to *Return of the Living Dead*, which oh, is yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, it's not a scary movie at all, it's, you know, so I'm sure Zombieland has so much indebted to uh, Return of the Living Dead. Um, but just one of the most fun horror movies, maybe the most fun horror movie of all time. Yeah, I always go back to that one. Otherwise, I'm sure I'll be returning to to a lot of, like, classic 80s movies. Uh, I, I I love the schlocky 80s horror, but... Definitely. I actually can, have kind of been wanting to go back and watch uh, some Nightmare on the Street's recently know we, we talked about those recently off air but those are ones that i kind of want to revisit because i haven't watched them in a number of years
0: absolutely always good it's thanks great, for the it's question great franchise. yeah thank you alissa that, that was a great question next up uh, another great question and one that i very excited i've been excited to answer this buckle since up I read it. this one comes from eduardo um eduardo writes in asking can you go on imdb look up whatever bruce willis upcoming movie is and then look up whatever john travolta's upcoming movie is and are you in favor of one over the other why yes we can (laughs) can (laughs) and especially will
1: and we will love it as well
0: i was excited reading that question because i think it's hilarious But now I'm even more excited now that I've read what the actual upcoming projects of both of these actors are. Um, Do you want to start with Bruce Willis or do you want to start with John Travolta? I say we start
1: with Bruce Willis because I don't think there's any, there's no way to come down from the John Travolta one. It's It's, just like...
0: The John Travolta one is short and sweet and to the point and ten times more funny (laughs) than than the the Bruce Willis one. Yeah. do you want me to read it or do
1: you I'll, want to I'll read it? I'll do them? the Bruce Willis one. All so right, Bruce go Bruce Willis it. coming out September 27th, which will be a few weeks after About this airs. The corner. Uh, we Did have the. pre your tickets on Fandango now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, this is probably not coming to theaters. Anyways, <laughs> the film is called Ten Minutes Gone. It is an action crime mystery, according to IMDb, and it stars Bruce Willis and Michael Chiklis, who you may recognize from the TV show The Shield. As well as his portrayal in the original Fantastic Four movies as The Thing. As The Thing. Um, the rubberiest suit ever. Because <laughs> rocks crease. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Maybe they should have had CGI back then. Um, so, ten minutes gone, the, uh, the synopsis here says, A crime thriller that centers on a man whose memory has been lost due to a bank heist gone wrong. The character will need to piece together the missing 10 minutes from his memory in order to determine who sabotaged him. Ooh. Just go on to the next one, because that,
0: honestly, that movie sounds awful. And then next up, we have The Fanatic, starring John Travolta in theaters, August 30th, 2019. Oh
1: wow, that's, that'll be out by the time you hear this.
0: Oh, it will. That's, that's coming up next week. Maybe we'll have to review it one day. Maybe we will. Um, So The Fanatic is about a rabid film fan who stalks his favorite action hero and destroys the star's life. That's it. (laughs) And it is directed by and written by, co-written by, Fred Durst. The one and only Fred Durst. Of Limp Biscuit fame. Oh my god. So it's clear that The Fanatic is the one that
1: I would watch <laughs> out of these two. <laughs> I, yeah, there is no way. I will tell you right now I'm not going to watch Ten Minutes Gone. I am very interested interested in seeing what The Fanatic A Fred is.
0: Durst joint?
1: Come on. And I feel like I've seen... Come on. I've definitely seen stills from this movie. I don't know if I've seen like actual trailers, but just look at John Tra- <laughs> Tra- fucking Travolta. Just look at him.
0: This what? is an image of John Travolta wearing a Hawaiian shirt with plaid cargo shorts and and his haircut. He has this crazy—I don't even know what to call that haircut, but it's—it's it's quite a haircut. Um, oh my god! god. I think
1: there's a mullet in the it's back. Kinda, oh yeah, it's definitely a mullet. a mullet.
0: This looks very interesting. We're um, just kind of scrolling through a slideshow right now of stills from The Fanatic um, and. I'm sorry, listeners, that there isn't much of a debate going on. That one side doesn't, that one side is more passionate. Oh, there's there's Fred Durst looking like a director. Uh He's got his hands out, there's a light shining on him. He looks legit. He looks legit.
1: Yeah. Uh oh, something bad happens to John Travolta's (laughs) eye, apparently. It's a shot of
0: Fred Durst making a, like, whoa face behind John Travolta. (laughs) And John Travolta has, like, one of his eyes gouged out. So, be a good time.
1: Is it, it, did he
0: do the, the eye gouging himself? We'll just have to find out. Is is he actually the star? Does he have um, split personality disorder? And is maybe. he like Could be interesting.
1: I am totally down to watch The Fanatic.
0: Absolutely. I think 100%. we should I think we should legit seek this out and maybe review Definitely. it. Absolutely. I, I think this could be something special. But yeah. Thank you for the question, Eduardo. That was that was great. Thank you for <laughs> basically tipping us off to this movie. Yeah. Like, without actually doing so. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Hopefully now everyone else is going to check it out, too. <laughs> I hope so. I, I seriously hope so. But yeah, that closes out Infinite Canvas Ultra Episode 5. What show would we be if we didn't completely close out with some shout-outs? Michael, you got any shout-outs for this
1: week? Hmm. Shout-out to Warner Brothers and Regal Cinema that... Uh, had the screening for it chapter two this week.
0: I agree a thousand percent. This that was a great experience. This
1: is something that I hope we can do way more often. Hopefully,
0: absolutely. Um,
1: we were even saying off air maybe if uh Joker comes out, uh, maybe if there's a pre screening of that, it is a Warner Brothers joint just like it. Absolutely, um, that would totally be something. Uh, I, I would definitely be down for so thanks to them um for holding that and for also having two dollar garage parking in the city of chicago which is unheard of amazing um shout out to free or not free parking but cheap parking
0: absolutely free um, cheap parking not free parking cheap parking that's where it's at i'm gonna give a shout out to bill Hader for carrying it chapter two Mm -hmm. like i kind of knew he would
1: yeah we (laughs) we all knew he would
0: so, a big shout-out to him. Absolutely. Also, a uh, shout-out to, shout to Fred Durst. I hope The Fanatic is a, is a cult <laughs> hit for him as he is, I guess, embarking on a directing uh, Yeah, uh,
1: I guess I actually looked him up before the show when we first got this question. He directed uh, Ice Cube in a movie in, like, 2008. Um, and it was, like, some family film, but... Um, this is his big sophomore film, so absolutely. 10 years in the making, John Travolta, uh, sounds pretty good to me.
0: I'm, I'm in. Uh, shout out to the band King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, their new okay. album, Infest the Rat's Nest. Mwah. If we had more time, I would have, loved to have done a review of that. Maybe I'll do one on a future episode. Great album. My favorite album that came out this week um also shout out to my friend cameron it's his birthday today awesome shout out out to you cameron happy Happy birthday birthday,
1: cameron i'm gonna shout out real quick especially because it's gonna be out in 35 minutes uh the new brockhampton record yeah they put out a new single last night and if you guys listened to the last week's episode we're actually kind of hot on the new brockhampton record surprisingly
0: enough turn both coincidentally enough both turned around on that second single that came out third single
1: well oh yeah yes we turned yeah. around on the second single as well
0: so and I, this new one's good absolutely i mean i i've always been hyped i'm a gigantic fan of them i mean even more so hyped now that i'm kind of super positive about the last singles that have come out in this album cycle this promotional yeah. cycle so should be good i'm looking forward to it yeah
1: maybe we'll have uh more to talk about them coming up very soon <laughs> wink I think that's all I got, Dan.
0: That's all I got, too. This has been a good one.
1: All right. You want to give a
0: shout-out to our
1: uh, sponsor again?
0: Of course I do. Big shout-out to Midwest Action. Uh, you can find them at midwestaxn.com. Find purveyors of local, well, local to us, we from Chicago, Midwest Tunes. You can go on their Bandcamp, which is also Midwest AXN. Sort through their huge library of tunes that they got on there. Most notably, their new release "American Queers" by Supernova, and then the upcoming "Happy Face" self-titled EP. We're gonna play a little bit of that to close out. The title track "Happy Face" from the EP titled "Happy Face" from the band "Happy Face." So <laughs> lots of lots of happy faces going along, and it, yeah. fits,
1: it actually it fits the clown aesthetic of our new episode. It does.
0: It like does. But yeah, this has been a good one. Yeah. Signing off. Signing off. Infinite Canvas Ultra. We'll see you next week.